1: Dr. Jason Lancaster. This used to be my favorite Sunday to preach all year long in the church calendar. Uh, It's because when I would preach on this Sunday back when I was living in Chicago next to Northwestern University, it was on this Sunday that we would have the most people because the college students within our church would bring all the new college students. And it was so exciting to see these huge groups of students just flow in and, and be able to, to preach the gospel to them and to their friends, many who didn't know Jesus. It was a very exciting Sunday. And I'm, and I'm still excited to preach on this Sunday, especially on this Sunday, where it looks like we have the most people here than we've had in about six months, which is really exciting to me. And so uh, this is what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to start by telling you uh, about FOMO. F-O-M-O. Stands for fear of missing out. It's something I I really struggle with. I don't know if any of you struggle with FOMO or fear of missing out. It's that unsettled feeling that you're going to miss out on an opportunity. Maybe you're going to miss out on a deal. Maybe you're going to miss out on a blessing. You're going to miss out on something. You have two roads. You go to the right, and you should have gone to the left. You kind of wonder. What's going to be on the left? You just feel like you're going to, you're going to miss out on a lot of things in life. And, and I struggle with that. And, and I think what we can actually call it, instead of FOMO, we can just call it, uh, I struggle with being content. Does anybody in here struggle with being content? Anybody at all? Just one. That's great. All right. Yeah, it's really hard to, to have contentment. You know, contentment, it just simply means sufficiency. It means sufficiency. And if you and I could experience kind of what is happening in our lives and kind of pull back and say, it's fine. It's sufficient. I am content. Those words rarely come out of my mouth. It's fine. It's sufficient. I am content. I want that to come out of my heart. Now, if you're with me this morning, I hope you'll be engaged because we're going to look at a guy this morning who's been through a lot, a lot more than you've been through, even though it's been a lot. And he's like, it's fine. It's sufficient. And I'm content. And this is a great place to end the book of Philippians. So if you look at Philippians 4, this is our last sermon on Philippians chapter 4. We're going to finish up the book of Philippians. For those of you just joining us, Paul is currently in jail, the Apostle Paul. And he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And Philippians is one of those churches that has helped him out as he was a missionary. They sent him support. And he's writing this letter here at the end to say, thank you. But I was content with not having much. I was content when I had a lot. I appreciate your gift, but in all things, I am content. Now, I just want to kind of take it verse by verse. Usually I have an outline for you. You can follow along. But I left you a whole page open for your notes this morning. We're going to go verse by verse. I have a lot to say, but I'm going to compact it and keep it short. So let's go. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Paul is praising God for their generosity and giving support to his missionary work. They were such generous givers and finally had the opportunity to show Paul and to shower him with financial support. Paul is not using this occasion to get more support. He's not trying to guilt them into giving more. He is grateful for their support. Look what he says in verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That is such shocking language, especially coming from the Apostle Paul's mouth. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Think about the Apostle Paul. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 6 that Paul speaks of going through beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger. And he's gone through all that. And he said, you know what? I've learned to be content. No matter what's going on, I've learned to be content. I'm beaten? Content. I'm ridiculed? I'm content. What? Can you say that? That no matter what you're going through, You can be content. I find it amazing that sometimes things can happen all of a sudden, and my contentment is bam, gone. My wife and I first got married, we lived in Los Angeles. Specifically, we lived in Santa Monica. That's the part of Los Angeles that's gonna fall into the ocean one day. (laughs) But while we were living in Santa Monica, we wanted to get away and we went away skiing, uh, snow skiing to this place called Big Bear. I don't know if you've ever been there, we went to Big Bear to go snow skiing. And uh, my wife and I have not skied much in years up to that point. Uh, We were just newly married. And we thought, you know, we skied half a day. We thought, now it's time for us to do a black diamond slope. If you know anything about that, it's the hardest slope you can possibly do. So, you know, I I went down it, barely. And then it was time for her turn to go down it. And I, I look up, and she's stuck. She's not moving And since we were just married, I wanted to go rescue my damsel in distress. I kicked off my skis, and I started climbing back up the mountain slowly, catch my breath, climbing. Finally get to her, and right before I'm about to help her, I slip, and I start flying down the mountain. And to make the story more dramatic, I was probably going 30 to 80 miles an hour. I was (laughs) flying down the mountain, headed straight for this tree and other skiers. And I thought, this is it. This is the way I'm going to go. And she's up there, and she's bawling. She's about to lose her new husband. And we had peace, we had contentment, and then it was gone. The Apostle Paul, he's flying down the mountain all the time. And he's not on some nice ski resort. He's in and out of jail, flying down the mountain, being beaten, being jailed over and over again. And he's saying, I am content. In fact, he says, I have learned the secret of contentment. We want to go to Paul. Paul, what is the secret? And he's like, come here, come here, come here. I'm going to tell you a secret. Here is the secret. Look, look with me, look with me. Look at the secret. Verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul said he's content in humble means, even when he's hungry and suffering need. And and many of us, I doubt you have experienced hunger. Maybe you have. Maybe some of you have a story of a hardship or lack of food that you had. Many of you can tell some financial difficulties in the past and in the present. Paul says, hey, I'm content with little. Can you say that? I am content with little, very little. In fact, we'll see other places, Paul's like, i got food and clothing. That's good enough for me. I'm content with food and clothing. Can you say that? But what's interesting that Paul also says, on the other hand, that he's content, did you see it? In prosperity, he's content when he's filled and has abundance. Now, that makes sense, right? If you have plenty of stuff, you're going to be content, right? Not so fast. Because chances are you have a lot of stuff right now. Probably more than most in the world. And what's going to make you happy? Just a little bit more. Right? And so there's a struggle when there's little we struggle. And when there's a lot, we struggle. And that's why we got to kind of get to a point where we understand what the Bible is saying here. What God is trying to say to us is that true contentment, are you ready? True contentment is independent of circumstances. True contentment is independent of circumstances. Sometimes we are so unhappy and we think if we can just move, then we will be happy. Or we think, you know, I'm so unhappy in my marriage. If I could just fix my spouse, then I would be content. If money would just come in, then I would be content. We always think if circumstances would change, then I'll be content. But here's the problem with that. Wherever you have messed up circumstances, even if they're fixed, guess what? You're still in the picture. And if you think you're going to be happy when you move, you might not be, because you always take yourself with you. And if you're not happy in one place, chances are you're not going to be happy in another place. And that's why Paul says, I have a secret for you. I have a secret on how you can be content with little, how you can be content with a lot. And here is the secret. Look at verse 13, here's the secret. Underline it, highlight it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is not about hitting home runs or scoring touchdowns when your favorite athlete says he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him Turn off the TV. It's a misuse of this verse. This verse means that no matter what situation you may find yourself in, no matter what you're going through, Christ and Christ alone is there to strengthen you and help you. Here's a great summary statement I learned many years ago. I learned this in the 90s. I'm going to put it up for you. It's called the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. I am content when I recognize that God and what he chooses to provide at this moment is all I need. I am content when I recognize that God and what he chooses to provide at this moment is all that I need. Now let that sink in. I am content with just God, the one who has saved me. By sending his son, dying on the cross for my sin, reconcile me. I'm content if I have him and all that he chooses to revive, little or a lot, at this moment is all that I need. Because Christ and Christ alone is enough. There's an older translation by J.B. Phillips of Philippians 4.13. He says, I'm ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives Within me, I'm ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. He alone is my sufficiency. I am content when I realize that God and what he chooses to provide at this moment is all that I need. Now I want you to notice in verse 11 that Paul says that he has learned this. He says, I have learned to be content And in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. This means that you have to learn to be content. And this learning is twofold. It has to do with intellectual knowledge and learn by practice. Now, that means you need to be taught, and we just did that through the word of God, we're teaching you that God's enough for you. You're learning intellectual knowledge, but that you also need to learn by practice. You've got to put this into practice. It's like with my daughter, Mary. We're playing basketball together. And I'm saying, OK, this is the way you shoot the basketball. Intellectually, she's learning it, but that's not going to be enough. She's going to have to go out and learn by practice. The same with us on contentment. We intellectually know, yes, God is enough. Yes, what he provides is enough. But now we need to learn by practice. So how do you learn by practice? Well, you learn by practice by going through stuff that's hard. And you stop and you say, OK, God, what I'm going right through right now, I trust that you're in control, that you're here, and that you're enough. That may mean you may go through seasons of difficulty, maybe a difficult marriage. And you say, okay, God, you're here. You're in control. Sometime in your, somehow, some way in your sovereignty, you're allowing this to happen to me, but you're here and you're sufficient and you're learning to be content. Or maybe you're going through an illness and you go, I don't know why this has happened to me, but God is sovereign. He's in control. God, I trust you that I'm gonna pray for my healing, but if it doesn't come, I'm gonna trust you that you're here and what you're providing for me right now is enough. So it's not just intellectual knowledge of what he is doing. It's also experiential knowledge that he is with you and that he is enough. And in that, you can be content. But it's a learning process. It's a learning process. Now, now we're not done because the rest of the, the words are here and the verses are here. And it's very important as you go to the rest of this passage I believe that Paul has given you something to increase your contentment. These are very important verses. Start with verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your count. Paul, Philippians are in this gospel partnership together. They are co-laboring with Paul by praying for him and giving to him. They stood by Paul even when no one else in the world would. And they sent him funding over and over again. And he says, I'm not seeking a gift. I'm not here because I want more gifts. But he says, I seek for the profit which increases to your account. He's saying that your giving is for your benefit and your spiritual profit in the Lord. We all know what an IRA is, right? IRA, individual retirement account. Well, Alistair Begg says, you know, it's not a bad idea to have an IRA, but every believer should have an IEA. An IEA is an individual eternal account where we are storing up treasures in heaven. Do you have one? How much is in it? (laughs) When did you make your last contribution? (laughs) There is a spiritual growth that happens when you give financially to the work of the Lord. And Paul is saying it's a profit which increases to your account, and he's not done. Look at verse 18. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So the Philippians have supplied Paul, and God will supply the Philippians. And their giving was this fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, which means that God was pleased with the way they have supported Paul. Those who give, give with a confidence that God will supply all their needs. Those who give abundantly believe that God will supply their needs out of his riches. Do you believe that you can give aggressively to the work of God and God will aggressively take care of you? So many times, We give and we hesitate and we hold back because we don't believe that God's actually going to take care of us. So we give little because we don't trust him. But here the Philippians are giving abundantly to Paul, and God is supplying for all their needs. I don't know if any of you watched the memorial service that was out this week of Joe Nancy, a great longtime member of our church. And she wanted three things left behind for us to tell you after she was gone. And if you want to know what those three things are, you can go and watch the service. But one of the things that she wanted you to know is that God's always going to take care of you, He's always going to provide for you. You can be an extravagant, over the top giver and trust Him because He's going to take care of you. And she exemplified that life of trusting in the Lord to take care of her. Do you trust the Lord? To provide for you do you give like you trust the lord to provide for you there was uh this youth pastor and his wife that i read about it's so so really cool so they're giving their lives away they're building into their youth group all their kids and they're and they're living on a very meager salary as as youth pastors often do like discipling their kids investing in their kids but they were kind of freaking out, because they looked at their bank account, and they had 13 cents in their bank account. And they lacked a lot of essentials in life. <laughs> and they were kind of freaking out, and in- including they were, they were out of toilet paper. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And so they start praying, Lord. They were about to be paid soon, but they weren't paid yet. So they're praying, Lord, please take care of us. And so that night after they prayed, their youth group, you know, kids, they teepeed their house. <laughs> you know what that means? They took toilet paper and they threw it, you know, on the trees. That, that's what teepee means. But, but get this the kids didn't know what they're doing. So they got one roll, teepeed their house, and they left the huge bag of the rest of them by their door. What a blessing that would be during this pandemic. <laughs> you can trust the Lord, guys. You can give extravagantly. He's gonna take care of you. And and giving is really connected to that contentment. It really is. We'd like to see a disconnect. When I'm content, then I'll give. No, it's it's connected. And it's this connection that I want to leave you with as I leave you with it, the end of Philippians. There's this, this connection of contentment with a giving heart. And let's just start by giving you that statement one more time that I'm content. When I recognize that God and what he chooses to provide at this moment is all I need. I'm going to give you three things to live this out. It's up to you to do it. Number one is that you need to focus your heart. You need to focus your heart. And by that, I mean you need to focus your heart on Christ and realize he's all you need. I don't know if many of you watch NASCAR, but Jeff Gordon, one of the NASCAR drivers, he said, either you focus or you end up hitting something really hard. That's right. We have to have a focus on Christ, and we don't crash in this discontentment. And part of that is, number two, is that we need to give sacrificially. Because your heart will follow your treasure. You know that? You know, Jesus says, do not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust and destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasure in heaven. where where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in itself. And he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We often think that our heart needs to focus on heaven, and then our treasure will follow. But Jesus is saying, no, no, you go ahead and put your treasure in heaven, and then your heart will follow. So if your heart's not interested in missions, if your heart's not interested in what's going on in your church or in church planning, well, just take your money and put it there, and watch your heart follow. It's amazing. We want to give sacrificially, aggressively, abundantly, and trust the Lord to take care of us. And lastly, as we have to be flexible for mission. Be flexible for mission. When you are content, you are more flexible for mission. You're not dragged down by worries and burdens. You're not letting debt or greed makes you inflexible for mission but you're more flexible for mission. And I really would love for you to take this this saying home today that I am content when I recognize that God and what he chooses to provide at this moment is all I need. Yes, what he chooses to provide in your life, in your marriage, in your sickness, in your loneliness, no matter what you're going through right now, God is sufficient for you. And when he chooses to provide for you right now is all you need. Let's pray. Lord, we don't dismiss all the stuff that was going on in Paul's life, the beatings, the imprisonments, the sleepless nights. They're real pain and real suffering. And yet he was content because you made provision for him. You gave him the strength of Christ. And there are some men and women in here right now who need the strength of Christ to make it just through this afternoon. Their life has been turned upside down and they need you. They're unsettled. They feel empty. Let them know that you are there for them. You've not left them. You've not forsaken them. Strengthen them to get through this afternoon. And when they wake up tomorrow, assure them that you'll be faithful another day. And Lord, I just ask that we will not hold back. We will just give aggressively and abundantly. Trust that you provide for us. You are our, our God who cares for us. You're all that we need. We can worship you and we can cling to you.
0: At last, He has triumphed something His grace.